0: Welcome to the Pace and Freedom with your host, James Pace, where ideas and voices are valued. No labels, no judgment, just conversations.
1: And welcome to another amazing conversation with myself, your host, James Pace on Pace and Freedom Podcast. And this is the episode that has been long waited for. I've mentioned it several times on Periscope, I mentioned it a few times over Twitter, that this episode would be happening, and it finally happened, and I couldn't be happier with the way it turned out, I couldn't be happier with the conversation that I had with Stevie, Madison, and we got to talk about sex work, and it's a topic that... We avoid and stigmatize, yet libertarians support the legalization of sex work, but we never actually address and have the conversation about it. So that's what this episode is about, and I am excited, ecstatic, to present to you Stevie Madison, who is a sex worker, and she's an amazing person. She is a person just like you and I, and we had a conversation like I would have a conversation with anybody else, and it turned out great. But before we get started, I have some announcements to make, as usual, and then we go into our pre-roll announcement, and then we start the conversation with Stevie. So some announcements that I need to make. I have a new website. You will no longer find me on paceandfreedom.webnode.com, that is... Site does not exist anymore. Unfortunately, we had some issues with the hosting site and they totally kind of screwed up some things and it was just not working. So I had to go ahead and, you know, spend some money to uh, buy an actual hosting service and buy the domain. And now we're a lot more official. So you can find me now on paceandfreedom.com. And I love the site that I created for it. And guess what? We will no longer be using Patreon. As I said, we wouldn't. And we're using my own site. Uh, it's on Uh You can become a pledged member. There are three tiers for $2, $5, and $10. It's Liberty Lover, Liberty Warrior, and Liberty Hero being the highest tier. And you get... Some pretty cool benefits. There's a secret forum group where you can have conversations with other uh, pledged Liberty heroes and Liberty warriors. Uh, you have to be a Liberty warrior or a Liberty hero to uh, be part of that group. And you get special access like the 24 early access for episodes. Some other neat little benefits. I still have my Anarcho Coffee link where you can get Amazing coffee that I drink every day, and it just gets me going for the day. So, that is anarchocoffee.com forward slash PIF. And as we go into the pre announcement, I have one last announcement to make, and that is I am running for City Council of San Diego. So, if you're in the San Diego area, please reach out. I'm looking for volunteers. If you wanna volunteer and help me win the election for the city council position of 5th District of San Diego, contact me on the paceandfreedom.com website and I will get you on board and let's uh, win an election and make San Diego a freer city, a common sense city. Let's get rid of these annoying regulations and inhibitors to society and to economic freedom and let's resolve some issues using common sense free market ideas with that said we're going to go into our pre-roll announcement and then we start our amazing conversation with stevie madison
0: hey james what you got there
1: oh just cbd gummy bears
0: gummy bears with cbd you mean how do they smell
1: just like candy but with just cbd
0: here let me smell them oh they do smell like candy
1: yeah it's my daily supplement that helps me with creativity and helps me focus on my conversations with guests and listeners check it out justcbdstore.com and check out all of their amazing products
0: all right i'm pulling it up right now
1: just make sure to use my 20 percent off discount code pif All right, welcome to Pace and Freedom Podcast. And as I mentioned for the past couple of weeks, I am super excited about this conversation. And it is, for me, this I would consider a pretty exclusive conversation with an amazing person that I've been going back and forth with over email and uh, having uh, conversations over the phone and text and it really got me pumped up for this conversation, and I've been talking about it with a few of you. I've been posting it on Twitter, and the the day is finally here. I feel like we're in that. What was that uh interview um with Nixon, uh, Jack Nixon, I think? Interview. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was like an undisclosed uh, <laughs> secret, play, location. secret location, <laughs> and you know, it was. So that's what this conversation feels like because i don't do interviews i do conversations as we know and um this is pretty exclusive so i've done some research and try to look for other podcasts that might have had this conversation and especially with somebody actually in the industry and i was not able to find anyone uh, that had it so i might be the first a great achievement but the greatest achievement is being able to talk to you about this topic and uh, so let's get started with Stevie. So Stevie is in the industry, and I want first for you to go ahead and introduce yourself, give whatever information about yourself that you want to give us. All right' that you feel comfortable um, with and go from there
0: So I'm Stevie. Um I've been in the sex works industry for about probably two years now. Um, my kind of journey into this industry um it didn't start in the best way, but, um, I really love the work. I love the connections, um, that I made with, um, you know, the, the gentlemen that I met and the clients, um, and just being able to run my own business, I have that freedom. Um, I got to call all the shots. I got to make my own schedule, um, all that kind of stuff, just the freedom that it allowed me in my life, um was, was really, really important to me. Um, and yeah, I, I feel incredibly privileged to be able to, um, be such a big part of this community and, and do this work.
2: Awesome.
1: And, you know, you talk about this community and I was actually shocked of the network that people have actually in this industry like there's an actual network there's an actual community of people working together Mm -hmm. in this industry it's uh it is a market Mm -hmm. but it's a little bit more than that right Mm -hmm. um there seems to be a more personal connection between different sex workers and clients can you talk a little bit more about that network
0: oh yeah um so obviously you know, our network is all online. Um, It's few and far between that, you know, we get to actually kind of congregate in person, if you will, um, for obvious reasons, I think. But, uh, you know, this online community is um, absolutely, like I was telling you before, one of the most incredible that I've ever seen. Um, You know, yes, our online presence is essentially first and foremost for our own marketing purposes and, um, and whatnot. But, um, you know, it's also our, our break room, our lunch room, our happy hour, our, you know, whatever. And, um, so there's a lot of different facets that go on, um, you know, and yes, it's, it's pretty public. Um, but, I mean we support each other in in so many ways um whether that be safety issues whether that just be personal things um you know throwing up on there like man today sucked um please send pictures of your puppies or your kittens <laughs> or you know whatever and you know people will reach out to you you'll get all these messages in your in your DMs like just thinking of you sending you love if you need anything like I mean it's um it's it's it doesn't surprise me anymore, but at the same time, like every time I see it, it surprises me because it's just the love is overwhelming sometimes. Um and it's really, really beautiful.
1: Right. And I mean, we see these things like in quote unquote regular businesses, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you you work at a at a retail store or whatever, you have your coworkers and sometimes you have these relationships with people. And, you're, um, and you, you know, that our coworkers, you guys get to go out. And for you guys, it's a little bit more difficult, but it's still the same concept.
2: Oh, yeah. And it's
1: very normal. It's normalized. Yeah. You know, one of the things I think a lot of listeners will probably hit me on and give me feedback on, especially those that don't necessarily agree with me that listen to my podcast mm-hmm. that are either there to troll or just to have a conversation.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, we'll say, you know, well, you're normalizing this industry. But it's not a normal industry, and mm. some might say that is a. Um,
0: I love this topic.
1: I know, right? <laughs> it's actually a bad industry. Mm. You know, is it exactly? So <laughs> we talked about a little bit over the phone, and I'm going to be jumping. I know we sent, I sent this yeah, on no, a no, no, list, no, no. but I'll be jumping back and forth up and down yeah, on that yeah, because just however the conversation rolls. Right. But I want to talk. What there are some negatives in this industry, and you and I talked about the mainly the, the negativity comes from government regulation and prohibition is mm-hmm. what breeds the negative, right? Yeah. So what kind of, let's talk first of what kind of negative things you have seen in the industry. And then we can maybe move on to explain why government is kind of at fault for those negativities.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, there's definitely um, things that happen on both sides, not just the provider side, but on the client side as well. Um, unfortunately, it is sort of a, or can be um, if you're not careful about, you know, protecting your own space and whatnot. It can be a breeding ground for, um, you know, predators on the client side. Um, people who want to push boundaries and don't respect you, or maybe want to um, get that private time with you um, for. Really malicious reasons, um, and then there are things that happen on the on the client side as well. It's it can be a breeding ground for scammers um, or for providers who don't run their business with um, you know ethical an ethical foundation, and um, you know unfortunately do steal money from the clients. And right. um, there's not a lot of recourse for them either. Um, you know, in 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 my little. Like I said, my little neighborhood, my little community, um, we don't see this very often. And when it does come out, it comes out in a really big way because at least the, the providers that I associate with and I surround myself with, um, you know, like I said, even online, um, you know, do have a very high ethical standard. And mm. we are, you know, are very professional and do love the work that they do. They are doing it consensually. And we don't want to see um, that kind of um, activity going on on either side. Um, mm. So when it's outed, it's 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 outed in a big way. Right. We, we want it out.
1: You know, and we talked about like, it's breeding ground for, you know, kind of predators on both ends Mm -hmm. and it's also a breeding ground you know it's a perfect setup to make it illegal and criminalize this uh these activities these consensual activities that don't have victims and let me take that back there are victims but because of the prohibition there are victims right but it's also a breeding ground for i guess on the state side right for law enforcement to have that i got you
0: Oh, they totally take advantage. Right. They absolutely take advantage of the situation. Um, You know, we – you know, when there are big stings and it's in the national news and things like that and, you know, we we hear about it on a lower level uh, more often than the general public does but um, if people think about like the Robert Kraft one recently Mm -hmm. um, in Florida – and, you know, the headlines were coming out about how they had, they had rescued these sex workers and they, they rescued these women and, right. you know, whatnot. And, um, if you really delved into it, um, most of these women were doing this consensually. Mm-hmm. Um, so where's the rescue? You've now arrested them. You have now they have criminal charges. Now they have, um, you know, financial issues. They're not able to support themselves, their children, um, legal fees, you know, right. like, where's the rescue in that? Exactly. You know, if they chose that, um, they chose that, and if they and if they are a, vic- a victim um, of human trafficking, for example, um, how rescue is arrest. Right. I'm confused by that. That doesn't seem. Exactly.
1: I've been arrested.
0: It's it's no rescue. Right. <laughs> There's nothing rescuing about it.
1: Well, I mean, they talk about people that have been human trafficked, and these are, you know, for the most part, victims because they were coerced or forced into the industry, and mm-hmm. that would be considered a victim and a crime, right. but they treat the victim as the criminal instead Correct. of treating them as a victim. Correct. Right. And we see this time and time again by government. The Same thing with, um, you know, drug use. Somebody that has a drug problem, mm-hmm. they tend to be treated like criminals right. instead of a victim, a person with a medical issue right. and be treated for Absolutely, and the libertarian in me will says, "Well, this is just a scam by the government to earn money. You know, right. the more people they have in prison, the more money they're earning."
0: Yeah, I think it comes down to in that in that respect too. Like, um, you know, I think that more and more we're starting to place more um, importance and gravity on mental health and things like that, um, but we're still not at a place where. Um, mental health and self-care and and treatment and things like that are super normalized and they should be. And, um, you know, that does not allow people to, um, feel safe in their mental health struggles or or whatnot. Um, and therefore it just continues downwards. So yeah, I think part of it is, yeah, the, you know, government wanting their money. Right. um, And also just society as a whole, like not um, valuing how important that really is um, for us to be able to thrive well.
1: Right. Uh, You know, you bring up mental health, and I think that's perfect to go into, you know, the next thing of the positives of your industry. Mm -hmm. You know, there is a there's a lot of mental health issues that people have that are not really considered by the general public as a mental health issue. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And one of the things, you know, you and I talked about on the back end was about people that are introvert, uh, that are not able to, that just have these social awkwardness. Mm -hmm. And I think about people with, you know, I have a lot of experience with autism. I have family that, that has autism and I see where they, a lot of times people with, you know, high-functioning autism, they just have this social, uh, they miss social cues. Mm-hmm. And so they're not able to relate to a lot of people, which then they don't get the same needs as, you know, a quote-unquote uh, normal person would get. Right. 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 But it's absolutely a natural need to have that intimacy. Yeah. And if they can't get it through, quote-unquote, normal means, how they're going to get it. Right. And then this would lead into depression, which can lead into drug use. Now they're, you know, in that legal aspect, now they're in trouble. Mm -hmm. Or they can take the other uh, criminal offense of trying to find that intimacy and also be prosecuted in that way. Right. Right. And if I think about it, you know, which one is healthier to go with, you know, is it healthier to go into drugs and self-medicate or is it uh, healthier to find somebody that will give you that uh, necessity of intimacy and have a fair exchange between two consensual uh, adults?
0: Yeah. I love that you just called it a necessity. Um, This is, this is kind of my um, go-to point when, you know i kind of get pushed back from friends or family or whatever right. is like this is a basic human need um mm-hmm. i don't care what religion you are i don't care what culture you're from i don't care your race i, I like that is so irrelevant right. um when it comes to basic human needs um and intimacy human connection um nurturing and sex are absolute basic. Right. Um, we need those things. And you're absolutely right. When when people's when that when that basic human need is not being met. Um, I mean, man, talk yeah, talk about shame and depression and right. isolation and um suicidal thoughts or attempts or whatever. Right. Um, it's a very, very dark, lonely place to have to be in um, when you feel truly alone that way um and nobody nobody wants to be truly alone that way and nobody should have to be right so um yeah we do get a lot of um a lot of clients on the autism spectrum for that reason Mm -hmm. um and um you know it's like as long as you come respectfully to us um respect our boundaries respect us as people you're gonna get the same in return and like um You know, it says in my little bio um, on my website or whatever, like, um, if you show me respect, um, like, my affection is going to be boundless. Right. Um, I'm going to want to give you the world um, just because you've shown me that you respect me as a human being.
1: Right. Uh, And that's part of free market exchange, right, to have these terms and uh, conditions that I think – a lot of people think of this industry as somebody just going in. There's no like, you know, just exchange of money and you go in and you get to do, you know, whatever you want. And that's what they'll use to kind of, I guess, fight against, uh, legalizing that industry. It's like, well, oh, you know, it's there's so people. Being, yeah, oh my gosh. Exactly. Yes. You know, and there is, uh, you know, it's a, like any other business where there are terms and conditions. Right. And there's different styles of services. There's a lot of, and I did some research, right? And I was thinking about this. I was like, it amazes me that certain things are okay for society.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And the other is taboo when they're mm-hmm. the same thing, you know? Okay. And you and I talked about alcohol. So alcohol being, you know, a very toxic uh, element In our society, people that have alcoholism and there's abuse at home, family abuse, all revolving around alcohol, but it's perfectly okay with society for alcohol to be on sale, which I think it is. Barring the abuse. Right. 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 And with any kind of thing, there's going to be some sort of abuse, but that's what we should criminalize is the abuse, not the actual service or the product. Right. So, and I was thinking about this also when I drove by a massage parlor and I was thinking of all the movies where they have, you know, in television shows where the guy goes to a massage parlor and gets a happy ending or Mm -hmm. whatever. And Besides that, though, I don't think it's as common as TV and media makes it. Right. But why is it okay for two adults to consensually, you know, touch, giving consent to somebody to touch you, your body, your body autonomy, but it's not okay While for – Well, you're nude,
0: by the way.
1: Right. Exactly. You know, so mm-hmm. this person is seeing you nude. You're yeah. okay with it, you yeah. know. Where's, where is that line, you know, mm-hmm. that draws and says, Oh, okay. Well, that's okay. Right. But actually having like sexual or either sexual intercourse or not, or just sexual touching
2: right.
1: is not okay. Right. Right. So, I mean, in your experience, where do you see that line drawn, you know, for clients, for example? Cause I'm mean, imagining not all clients go in for a full, uh, service. Let's
2: just, Yeah, I mean, it
0: definitely, it certainly varies. Um, You know, not every client is looking for, um, you know, that regular, um, intimate, more kind of friendship connection. Um, Some just, you know, they want to, you know, see you for one hour, once a month, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And, And that's their outlet. That's what they can, that's what they're able to do. That's what works for them um and that's fine and then you have clients that um you know you see every week and you're spending hours with and you're going on adventures and you're all doing right. all kinds of fun things and it's like um you know i i said to to one of my clients just like that the other day i was like we're like the perfect non-couple couple <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> because there's you know there's there's no pressures there's no expectations there's no drama there's no conflict there's no jealousy there's none of that it's all it's everything that you could want and everything you don't want right um and so it meets that need for frankly both of us um in a lot of ways um and you just you don't have to worry about like you know um what are they doing when they're not with me and who are they talking to and you know whatever um I think that, you know, a lot of, as far as, you know, you know, sex work specifically being, um, illegalized, I think really comes down a lot to a religious basis, um, and religious beliefs. Uh, and just, you know, we grow up, you know, being told that, you know, um, our bodies are private and our bodies are shameful. And, um, I mean, if you think about it, when we're, when we're we're being potty trained, you know, as, as, you know, 18 month old, two year old, whatever. Um, and you accidentally pee on the floor and everybody's like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Like, no, no, no. Do that in the bathroom. And they make it, not that we should all just be peeing wherever we want, but like we, we learn from a very young age that like, um, our bodies and our natural body processes are private and, and, and shameful and need to be kept hidden away. Um, and that goes for sex as well. You know, don't talk about it. Don't be open about it. Don't um, – again, I don't think we should be like just running around like fucking each other in the streets. Right. But, like, <laughs> um, but to treat it as something that is bad and shameful and we need to hide and keep it a secret and keep it in the dark is right. like – we're all doing it. Like, it- Calm down.
1: <laughs> I know, right? Well, and it goes back to like, you know, where do you draw that line, you right. know, of the the Christian that, and I'm not knocking Christians because I consider myself a Christian, but I am also a libertarian. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people said, oh, that's an oxymoron. It really isn't if mm-hmm. you think about it. But mm-hmm. uh, we'll get into that topic in another time. Yeah. It's very hypocritical for a Christian, you know, you, to say, okay, it's not okay for that. But it's okay for me to either, um, a lot of, there's a lot of Christians that are more radical or more fundamentalists mm-hmm. that believe that I, you know, the, the guy, the male is the boss mm-hmm. of the home and, you know, he's going to dictate, you know, who the, the wife is allowed to talk to, who, you know, right. taking away completely the autonomy of the wife or the spouse or partner.
0: Right.
1: But then, but that's okay. But taking, you know, allowing somebody to consensually provide a certain service or consensually doing something with their body is not okay. Yeah. When, if we think about Christianity, you know, there, um, the word that comes to my head is agency, right? Self-agency to be mm-hmm. able to make your own decisions, to have that free will. Right. And not judge the person for it because at the end of the day, you're going to be judged elsewhere by somebody else. That's way more important than the head of this family, Yeah,
0: exactly. So,
1: and then the hypocrisy of, you know, well, a lot of these Christians end up doing things that they're not supposed to be doing anyways. Of course. That is –
0: But it's hidden and it's kept secret and it's in the dark. Exactly. Because it's
1: shameful. Exactly. So – We can't
0: be human. We can't be flawed.
1: Right. Uh, but they are, and it's just hypocritical, and right. you're just lying to yourself. Right. I want to go back to the mental health thing, because mm-hmm. we did talk about a little bit offline about how sex workers are, and can be a lot more, if it was legal, productive members of society. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, let's just say we still live in a, well, we do live in a tax driven society right right if this industry was legal you know government would be making money off of taxes on of course, this of right course. yeah um, that's what they do <laughs> exactly you know taxation is theft as we know yeah <laughs> and uh legalized theft right. Uh, right. and but there's a lot more than just taxes that you know, this industry can offer, yeah. right? And we talked about mental health and also, you know, let's look at people that have the uh, either sex addiction or we talked about predators a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we talked about pedophiles, right? Mm-hmm. And how the sex work industry can actually be somewhat of an outlet to kind of – I don't want to use the word tame, but control those
0: – Temper. Yeah,
1: yeah. temper yeah. those um, – Yeah. Right. So talk a little bit about that. Have you seen that actually in the industry where?
0: Personally, I would say I have not. I've definitely seen, I mean, we've had and continue to have conversations along those lines all the time. Um, You know, I do think that you know, like I mentioned to you last night, you know, there was a conversation that went on recently, um, where someone had suggested that, you know, um, sex, sex workers should, um, not, not be responsible for, but, uh, be the outlet for, um, serial rapists or, uh, or pedophiles. And I, I personally think that was a, a really extreme, um, viewpoint, um, we're definitely not responsible to be regulating that type of thing. Um, I think that that is probably, I think it is an arena that, um, we are not equipped to regulate or temper or anything like that. I think that that's, um, there's a lot of danger in, um, in that. So, so I don't think that that's something that, you know, we need to be responsible for or, um, allowed to be prominent in our industry in any way. Um, but I will say that as far as mental health goes, um, you know, yeah, you know, the services that we provide do help, um, other people with their mental health issues, whether it be that isolation, um, or depression or anxiety, um, you know, um, a lot of sex workers themselves deal with um, mental health issues. And being able to do this work um, provides a space for us to be able to deal with our own things. Um, I'm extremely, extremely introverted. I'm a very right. anxious person by nature. Um So, you know, it allows me the space to um, I can interact with people on my own terms. I can give of myself on my own terms. Um, I do have an office job that I work part time and it's very, 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 very difficult for me to, right. um, get myself there every week. Um, for many, many different reasons, but, um, you know, yeah, on both sides, uh, it's, it's enhancing the mental health. Of um, both the client and and the sex worker, and, and in a lot of ways, um, even you know, I we see the, the the us women talk about it a lot. You know, the the benefits um, to our self esteem, our self care, our um, our boundaries, our ability to set boundaries, not right. just in our work but in our personal lives with maybe toxic family members or, or whatever.
2: Right. Um,
0: so. It provides benefits that people don't understand and people don't see. Um, And I'll just say to kind of wrap up this point, um, you know, I've said to – I'm out to my family and my friends. um, And my family, like, sort of accepts it, but I I wouldn't say they accept it. They – Basically it's like okay we we hear you and we're going to pretend it's not happening. Right. Okay, fine. Um but I've said to my mom on numerous occasions like um if I sat here and told you that sex work has made me um a more stable person, a better person, um a more empowered person, a more loving person, um you would look at me like I was fucking nuts right. because Because you're living in a world with so much stigma and misconceptions about it, you would never in a million years believe that this work has given me gifts I couldn't even begin to list. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, that was kind of long-winded. But, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's a topic I could go on forever about because I think it's super important.
1: Well, I mean, and it gives you – you know, I was talking to somebody about purpose, right? And mm-hmm. you never know what your purpose is really going right. to be, right? Uh, until you find it. right? And once you find it, it really resolves a lot of issues, not only in yourself, but around you, right? I've realized with my purpose, I suffered greatly from depression. I was for many, many years. And, you know, I've been on medication, and even just medication wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until i found and obviously i have more than just one purpose i have a purpose to my family i have a purpose but there's that one like i guess core purpose that kind of helps with everything else mm-hmm. right to ease everything else that's going on in your life right and for me it has been this platform that i created to conversate with people and uh, you know conversate about hard topics that people either don't want to talk about and whatnot. And I found that that's my purpose to be able to bring out these conversations and try to get people to kind of uh, listen to understand That's what made me happy in my life. It changed my relationship with my spouse. It changed my relationship with my kids. Mm. They see me that I'm a lot happier and things are a lot better in life. And I don't see it any different from any other purpose. For example, in your purpose of, you know, providing a service for people that need it, you know, you found your purpose that, you know, that you have consented to, that you have accepted in yourself. And it has made your life a lot better.
2: Yeah.
1: And you mentioned... You know, in the beginning, when you were getting kind of your introduction, you entered that industry not in the best of terms. Yeah. At what point did were you able to find to make it your terms, and what was that like for you?
0: Um, you know, on the point of purpose, um, I will say that I I think I knew almost right away, like, and I was. It, you know, it hit me like a ton of bricks, like, holy shit, I have found my purpose. And I i think i said that actually right. out loud <laughs> on many different occasions. Like, this is what I'm meant to be doing. Oh, my God. Um and But not, not
1: to interrupt, but just really quick. Yeah. So listeners kind of have this also idea because I know that's this is what's going to come up right <laughs> after that. It's like, well, you know, you're like putting yourself down then if that's what you think your purpose is. So When you're explaining your purpose, kind of explain, like, why it isn't, you know.
0: What makes it my purpose? Yeah. Um, uh, for me, it was, like I said, I do deal with some mental health issues. Um, I won't go into too much detail, but, um, I deal with, um, something called emotional and cognitive dysregulation, meaning that, um, when you're happy, I'm ecstatic. When you're sad, I'm depressed. When you're nervous, I'm having a panic attack. My emotions are very extreme. Um, and I process information, um, much differently than other people. Um, and so it's a, it's a daily practice. Um, but so that's something that, you know, um, And, and like I said, I'm very, very introverted. So working a full-time job, um, Monday through Friday, nine to five was extremely taxing on me. Um, it didn't allow me the time and the space to, uh, you know, take care of those issues and, um, give time and space for, um, dealing with those issues, um, working on them and things like that. I'm also a single parent, um, So I, you know, when I was working full-time, I mean, it was guilt all the time about um, spending time away from my child, um, being too tired when I got home to really be able to do anything. Or even if I could rally the energy, um, you know, my attitude and my presence just wasn't there. Right. Um, And that sucked, you know. Um, That really sucked. I, 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 you know – we all love our kids more than anything in the world. We want them – we want to give them everything. And right. to feel that I was um, coming up short, um, just being present for him, uh, was a really shitty feeling. So, um, you know, my purpose in this is that I am there for my son – Anytime he needs me, I get to um, create my schedule around his. Right. Um, when he's out of school, I can pick him up from school. I come home. We cook dinner. We, you know, do whatever, help him with homework. Um, I'm fully present there with him. Right. Um, on, you know, bad days, maybe I'm having a panic attack or I'm super anxious or whatever, um, I can take that day off work. Right. Um, No one's going to fire me over it. Um, I... You know, and all my clients are so great, you know, they understand and they're just so loving and understanding in that way. It's like I can be honest and just say, oh, like, oh, man, today is like not a great day. Can we reschedule? And yeah, no problem. Don't worry about it. Take care of yourself. And um, and I'm able to do that. I'm able to take that time and take that space. Um, And, uh, you know, just in general, it's given me the time and space to work on myself and to challenge my own belief systems about this work that just because I got into this work, um, didn't mean that I didn't have my own things to grapple with about it. um, and about myself and, um, shame that I felt, um, and having to work through that, like, you know, is this really what I want to be? Is this really what I want to do? And, and it took me probably about a year, um, of going through that and really kind of battling with myself um, to come to terms with it. And I I personally was able to reconcile it and um, realize how much happier I am, how much more stable my home life is, how much happier my son is, um, all of that. It was like, the, I mean, nothing but good came from it right. um, when it was done on my terms. Right. <laughs> um, when it was not done on my terms it was not that it, that was not the case but um, you know the way that it is now for me um, in the last it's been less than a year my life has transformed in ways I, I I never could have dreamt of
1: and I think that's the 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 point right of the the self uh, body autonomy and consent right mm-hmm. you know when it's not in your terms and I mean we can look at it from this legalization portion of it, you know, a lot of in the industry is kind of not in your fully in your terms. It would be a lot better if it was legal, mm-hmm. and there would be so much more that you could do, right, and make it a lot easier, right, and a lot safer. But I like how you you say that, you know, that you're you're running your business in your terms, and that's what makes the difference between. When there is a possi- uh, possibly a victim and not right mm-hmm. when somebody is not doing it in their terms and they're being coerced or you know forced to be in that industry, mm-hmm. I think that's the biggest thing that people need to see the difference of right? right to be able to understand why it would be safer for this industry to be uh, legal because it would have an a better impact. On the victim side, mm-hmm. right? To if there is somebody being forced to do it, right? Then we can prosecute that, right? Without prosecuting somebody that is consenting, right? And is providing a service and is, um, you know, being a productive member of society, and not prosecute the victim, actually helping the victim, getting them out because right. and giving them the help that they need, right? So with that, I guess. With government and its regulations and its criminalization of this industry, what are the dangers that you've seen, uh, either self-experience or that you have seen with some of your fellow, you know, co-workers and even with clients, actually?
0: Yeah. um, I mean, certainly robbery happens on both sides. Unfortunately, I, you know, I've definitely, you know, when it was, like I said, when it was being done not on my terms. Um, that's when I dealt with a lot of trauma and I dealt with a lot of those bad experiences. Um, being very taken advantage of, very manipulated. Um, having my time taken advantage of, not being paid for my time properly. Um, you know, men who would make promises and um, and really just fuck you in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, not literally, but figuratively. Right. Um, you know, there was – I had one incident um, – It was actually the last and most traumatic incident that I had was, um, and again, I was very naive and being, you know, kind of dictated by someone else. Um, I spent $1,100 of my own rent money, um, kind of setting up this appointment. And, um, uh, I was not only not paid, but I mean, I was, I was stiffed completely, um, and had spent four hours with this person. Um, so now I'm out rent money. Um, I go into a horrible depression. You know, it was just – it cascaded downward. Um, so, you know, yeah. Rape, assault, robbery, um, you know, even down to things like, um, you know, I, I I talk to girls all the time who are dealing with clients who are extremely manipulative of them, um, very degrading. And it's like – I tell them all the time, like, do not waste one more ounce of energy. Like, mm-hmm. this person is getting off on messing with you. And, like, take that out of your space immediately as right. much as you can. You know, certainly we don't have control over everything. But, um, these, the, you know, these are things that happen. And, um, you know.
1: And you don't have anywhere to go to help for. Because no. as soon as you ask for help, you're the criminal.
0: Yeah. You're yeah. not the victim, yeah, even when um you know even when law firms or law enforcement you know says uh, it just happened the other day too, uh, law enforcement kind of came out and said, you know we oh, we just want to have a conversation, and you know nobody's gonna be arrested or anything like that, like we're just trying to break down barriers and understand both sides and la la, and I mean, the laughter that went on was like. <laughs> Yeah, fucking right. Like, right. there's no way. We don't trust you as far as we can throw you. Like, right. you know, you throw us in jail constantly for what? Anything. You know? and, and that's yeah. the thing.
1: You know, they. Uh, this is not – it is and it isn't, right, to bash police. But it's the truth. It's a fact. Mm-hmm. And we see it all the time where police abuse authority with impunity. And mm-hmm. they – You know, yeah, they might tell you, okay, we won't arrest you, you know, if you come out to seek for help for prostitution. But the moment we find something on you, Mm -hmm. you know, either in some cases implanted or by them Mm -hmm. or just because, again, for me as a libertarian, I don't really care if you hold an ounce of meth in your bag. You know, that's none of my business what you put in your body.
2: Right.
1: But police will be like, oh, well. Yeah, well we said we weren't going to arrest you for for sex work, but you have an ounce of meth in your bag, so you're arrested now. Right, right. And they'll find any little thing they'll lie wherever they can. They'll implant evidence wherever they can just so they can get that arrest. And no way to trust police. If this was a legal industry where it's not criminalized, at least the person that does get a bad client that is abusive or a predator, you know, or steals now, the uh, the sex worker can go for help and
0: like – We have recourse. And yeah. Yeah.
1: And get the help they need.
0: And it's funny too, you know, this whole idea of like, you know, oh, we need to come forward to talk to you. So, you know, because you want to break down barriers. Like, I mean, we know they're watching us online. Right. We know they're everywhere. We're not naive to that. Um, and we're talking about these things all the time. Right. Um they don't need us to come forward. Like we're putting it out there already. Right. Um, the good, the bad, the, the lack of, you know, what we need that we don't have the lack of resources, all of that. So, you know, I call bullshit.
1: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You know? And, um, so in your eyes, what would legalize sex work look like?
0: I mean, I'd like to say that it would look like a utopia, but um, mm-hmm. unfortunately...
1: I talk about utopias all the time. Right? <laughs> I know.
0: Like, we need to just, like, create a little compound of libertarians and sex workers. <laughs> <laughs> um No, I mean, I think first and foremost, obviously, it's going to be... It would be taxed, you know? That's just a given. Um, I think that there are... I, I mean, ideally and and this would not come and it really doesn't matter if it's legalized or not the stigma s- still exists and that's that's really where the i don't want to say the bigger problem lies but it's just as big as it being um illegal um, cuz even if it were legalized you know um are we going to have resources? Are we going to have resources that we feel comfortable going to, that we feel right. safe going to? Um, or are we just going to get more judgment and more stigma and more um, disgust from people, you know? Right. Um, So it's, it's not just the legalization, but, you know, working on that stigma. Um, and, you know, it's like I think that – Um, I mean, there, I, I, I would like to think that there would be a lot less, um, criminal activity going on on both sides, um, that even, you know, providers that are stealing from clients and doing things like that, you know, there would be recourse for the client as well. Um, because I say it all the time, like if we want to be taken seriously as a profession, we need to act professionally. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, I would, I would like I said, in my little community, in my little neighborhood, like that is what goes on. And we are professional. And I think, I think that that's what it would look like for me. Um, Yeah.
1: You know, you brought up a, a point there that I was just thinking about as you were talking, and that is the stigma and the negative stigma. And I was thinking about like, The – even strip clubs, which are legal, Mm -hmm. a lot of these strippers, when they're abused or taken advantage of, they don't come out for help because of that stigma because they're going to – they think, oh, what is, what are my parents are going to think about me? What are my family members' friends are going to think about me? Yeah. You know, and I don't feel um, safe or comfortable now reporting these issues. Right. Because people are going to look at me in a negative way. Right. I just – it For me, it's really boggles my mind. It, like, it really messes with my mind how there's a group of people that are not able to feel comfortable in their own skin, that are not able to feel comfortable um, doing the things that they want to do or choose to do or find purpose in uh, to make their uh, life happier and feel that they have to hide themselves.
2: It's
0: actually funny as you're saying that. I know that you're referring to like strippers and sex workers, but what I'm actually hearing is um, the people who um, don't like strippers and sex workers. True. Um,
2: That too.
0: Because we we are the ones that are comfortable in our skin. We are the ones that are doing what we love. And it takes – fucking strength and courage to be doing what we're doing with so much stigma with no with no support with no recourse for these you know sometimes horribly violent things that happen um you know yeah the strength and the bravery and the courage to uh i mean you got to really believe in what you're doing um to continue doing it even with with those risks. Right. Um, and I think that that alone says a lot about um, how important this work is f- for, for us.
1: Absolutely. Um,
0: but yeah, no, I just, uh, I think it's, I, I, I think it's really more the people who are not comfortable in their skin and, uh, you know, can't be doing what they want to be doing openly and, and safely and, and um, with comfort. Mm-hmm. I hear that that's the people on the other side. Right, that's not us.
1: Absolutely, I, I know what you I meant. But yeah, no, <laughs> that's I, I all agree. I was hearing. <laughs> I mean, and I guess my thing is just the uncomfortable part. I guess would be for you guys is just to be able to feel safe to come out. Right, you know, right, and not be either uh, arrested mm-hmm. or judged. Right, right. Because I mean, I imagine it's tough to be able to go to your family and let them know, hey, you know, especially in this. Like you said, we needed, really, we need to focus on the stigma probably before we came and go into the legalization of it. Right. Can we do the legalization without addressing the stigma? Sure. But then you still have that problem of right. people not being able to be accepted. And acceptance is probably a huge thing. Yeah. You're accepted in your own community. You accept yourself. But for example, for me, when I came out, you know, and this is a horrible comparison, but nevertheless, it's yeah. a comparison. I grew up in a Republican, uh, neoconservative family,
0: right? It's fun. I know, right?
1: <laughs> and, like, for the longest time, I just kind of followed along right. with these beliefs, yeah. thinking that, yeah, you know, what the far-left liberal, you know, libtard is saying is just absurd. Like, right. not really ever understanding why they have their view and um, how it's not just black and white. And I remember once I became a teenager, Once I think it was probably maybe junior year, you know, I would say these things. I would just mimic what my family members would say Mm -hmm. and start to think, like, wait a minute, that doesn't really – I'm saying it out loud, but it's not resonating, right? (laughs) It's not – and it wasn't until way later in my life probably you know around 20 something years old when i found the libertarian movement and was like man everything that i said and believed in in the past i felt extremely uncomfortable with mm-hmm. to say things like well you know people of same sex cannot get married well I never really thought of why. Why can't they get married? Right. Right. And it kind of, you know, evolved from there to all different directions. Right. But when I came out and it's like, hey, I I believe in the libertarian movement. I believe in liberty. I, I am a libertarian. It was like this. I mean, I have family members that don't talk to me. Wow. Right. Wow. They're like, we, you're, you know, have completely disowned me.
0: Yeah. So you can relate. Yeah. I mean, you really can in a lot of ways, yeah. Exactly, right?
1: So, and again, it's a horrible comparison, but it is a comparison nevertheless. No, for sure. It is a way to relate. Yeah. And it does hurt me that I cannot talk to these family members that I've had relationships with for, you know, my whole life and all of a sudden they're not there. Right. Right. And when I do try to reach out, you know, say, hey, you know, the first question is, are you still a libertarian? Well, what's wrong with me being a libertarian, Yeah, you know? Yeah. So I kind of do relate in that aspect where, like, when you talk about, you know, talking with your mom, why can't you talk to your mom about these things? And right. why should it be a negative stigma right. to work in that industry? Why, you know, it has to be so taboo and, oh, we really shouldn't talk about it. Yeah. Let's just ignore it. Right. Like, it should be part of your life right. in every aspect of your life, Yeah. you know, if you choose that to be that way yeah and for other people to kind of realize oh yeah well you know that's just who she is and right. i accept her for it and i there's nothing wrong with it
0: yeah well i mean and that's what i was just saying that um you know last night uh you know i mentioned that i was doing this podcast and i was asked you know oh podcast about what and i said of oh, my work and um the response was oh never mind wow and uh it was like so, and I said, I said, have you ever seen me happier? No. Have you ever seen me more stable? No. Have you ever seen me more together? No. Have you ever seen me support my family better? My family is going through a horrible, horrible, horrible traumatic situation right now. Who the fuck is there all the time? The, me. I'm right. there, supporting each and every one of you, um, without judgment, with unconditional love. You know, whatever. Have you ever seen me be able to do that? No. Maybe. Maybe you could look past my work mm-hmm. and go, "Wow, she is different than she's ever been in all the best ways." Right? Um, maybe there's something to this. Right. Um, you know, and and yeah, you know, I don't expect that. Um, I don't ever expect that. Like, we'll be able to like sit down at Thanksgiving dinner, and I'll be like, "Yeah, I had this date last night, and man, he." fucked me senseless like <laughs> that's not the conversation that you know I think I I want to have or I think we should be having right. um but just to be able to you know, that feeling of having to hide that part of myself and and I do push back because I – and I've told them like I'm not going to lie to you. Right. Um, I, will, I will not talk about it. I'll be as vague as possible. I'll give you the least amount of information possible. Um, if I'm busy for a few hours on this day, you know, I'm just going to say I'm busy for a few hours on this day. And mm-hmm. If you're going to push me on it, I'm not going to lie to you. Right. Um, so – you know, right. like either read between the lines and shut up or right. you're going to I'm just going to say like, you know, I I'm going to be I'm, I'm going to be on a date. Right. I'm going to be working.
1: That's the thing. Right. If people would just accept it as a job that because there's so many jobs that are out there that people are so happy with. Yeah. And I think that's like an important thing in life. One of the reasons why. I moved industries in my own life, you know, that are quote, unquote, acceptable industries. Uh, the one industry that I was in, I don't feel that it's acceptable. And by any means, and that's, a, that's the military, I'm a military veteran, I do, you know, I do feel a certain amount of pride in that have served. But at the same time, it, it shouldn't be an acceptable industry to, you know, go to these foreign wars and, you know, yeah. fight for things that that are lies. What the hell am I doing fighting American freedom? And iraq for example right you know i should be fighting freedom here right that's what i'm serving for yeah you know so to say that you know that industry is acceptable in an industry that is not acceptable quote unquote and there's no there's nobody being harmed and the only reason people are being harmed is because of the regulation or the prohibition right you know it's just absurd yeah um but the reason I moved industries was one of those is, was that reason that I felt that I was in an industry that wasn't acceptable. And I didn't feel comfortable. I didn't feel happy in that industry. Right. Yeah, I've met some amazing people that will be that I will be friends with for the rest of my life that have been there to help me. But I wasn't happy. Right. And I had to move industries in the industry that I am now. I'm happier. I wouldn't say a 100 percent happier. Um, the industry that, you know. I would rather be a podcaster full time, and that would be my like happy place. Yeah, right. I think we can
0: relate on that. I've got my part time office job that some days I'm like, I don't know why I keep this job, but uh, you know, yes, I would love to be doing sex work full time, and Mm -hmm. for that to be right, you know, I, um, you know, we laugh about it all the time, and we talk about it all the time. um, How you know people you know, claim that we're, we're exploited and, and whatever. And we, it's so funny. Cause when you f- flip the script and you're like, we're exploited. Um, You're sitting – you're, like, confined to an office Mm -hmm. for eight hours a day, five days a week. You go home too tired to be able to do anything, um, even cook yourself a healthy meal. You're living paycheck to paycheck under a boss who's a fucking asshole. (laughs) You're putting up with clients that treat you like absolute shit. And you're miserable every damn day. Exactly. Like, who's exploited? Exactly. Who's really exploited? Right. Or even just talking about, you know, just on on a level of dating or sex, you know, like, Okay, so you're going to go through all this – you're going to meet this dude on Tinder and you're going to go through all this trouble and he's Mm going to feed you all these lines and he's going to take you out to, you know, some cheap-ass meal and, um, you know, you're going to have some shitty sex where he comes too quick and doesn't give a shit about you and then you're never going to hear from him again. Right. That feels really great, right? Right. No, it doesn't. I I
1: love that comparison, that comparison right there. Oh, we laugh about
0: it all the time, especially when we get it from, like, oh, oh my gosh. Like, when we get it from our friends and family, it's like, are you freaking kidding me? Like, we've got somebody in our family right now. I keep saying this. um, She's not really in our family anymore. But, you know, um, everybody in the family keeps referring to her as a whore. Right. And and I keep saying (laughs) – this is my little dig. I'm like, don't call her a whore because she doesn't even know how to whore properly. Right. If she if she were if she were a smart whore, right. she'd be set up. She'd have s- some money in the bank. She'd be supporting herself. She'd have a roof over her head. She has none of those things, and yet she's sucking some seventy year old dude's dick, living in his commune with her kid. Like, right, right. she's got nothing to show for her life. So. Right. She's not a whore. Yeah. <laughs> you know? She's an idiot.
1: <laughs> That's an awesome. Uh, just
0: to own that. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah, I am a whore. Yeah, I'm an unapologetic <laughs> slut. That's true. <laughs> just gonna put it out there.
1: <laughs> you know, and it's just, again, it comes back to choice and consent, right? Yeah. Like, in I think that that was a, a beautiful comparison, to the whole tender thing, you know, with the whole tender thing, like you're shooting in the dark. You mm-hmm. don't know what you're gonna get, you yeah. know. At least you have that power because you're running your own business yeah. to, you know, kind of have a criteria, uh, have a, uh, a screening process to really weed out the, the bad customers, I guess, from right. the good. And also, you know, even though it's illegal and criminal, you can't, there's no resource to really go for help, but you do have some sense of self power to say, you know, I, I, don't want to provide service to
2: you. Yeah.
0: We absolutely right? have that power. And I'll touch on that too with the, you know, the Tinder thing and and just dating in general. Um, you know, yes, there are, you know, major risks to what we do because it is criminalized. Um, however, um, I am far, far safer uh, meeting a client for the first time than, you know, girlfriend over here mm-hmm. meeting some random dude off Tinder. Right. You know, what does she know about him? Nothing. Mm-hmm. Not a damn thing. And, um, by the time I meet you, I mean, you know, I, yeah. you know, I don't meet random dudes off the internet. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and just like on a whim. That's, it's just not safe for anybody. Right. Um, so, you know, you want to talk about like, Oh, it's such a dangerous industry. Well, you just met, you know, Dick over here at right. whatever bar and, you know, like we, you hear about it all the time women getting you know whatever, like yes. I don't want to get into it, but it's like,, uh, yeah, we have we are at least we have been able to set up the kind of those measures for ourselves, and everybody does it differently to their comfort level. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm like damn near impossible to meet because of my experiences. <laughs> um, but uh, we do have those measures to right. to keep ourselves as safe as possible.
1: Absolutely. Um, if there's one thing, I guess that you can tell a person that is against the industry, you know, that is just what. What would be the one thing that you can tell them that would maybe help, kind of plant the seed in their head to realize it's okay?
0: Oh, I don't. I could tell them a lot of things. Right. Um, <laughs> it would be hard because. You know, I say this to my family a lot. Like, if you just sat down with me and had a, a conversation, um, all the things that you're – the narrative that you've got in your head about about it is not even remotely what it's like.
2: Right.
0: Um, so I know you're thinking all these really insidious things are going on and shady and whatever, and it's just not that way. Um, so what would I say? Um I mean, I would I, – I guess kind of the only thing I could say because I believe that this is really where it stems from is I would ask them to, you know, really honestly, um, open-mindedly, you know, look at their beliefs about why they believe this is bad, why they think it's wrong, why they believe it should be criminalized, and just with an open mind just within themselves um, – just really take an honest look at those things and look at the pros and cons. And, and yeah, maybe it is going to require some, you having some conversations with, um, people who can give you, you know, the reality of it and the facts of it, um, to kind of break that narrative and, and break away from that, those misconceptions. But, um, I think that's where it really comes from is, I had to grapple with it, you know? It was something that I battled within myself, my own belief systems about it and what it meant about me and for me and and all that kind of stuff. And um, so I get it, you know? I've, I've been there myself right. even while doing this work. But that would be probably the one thing I would say is, you know, to, to take a look at that I think and, that's, and reevaluate that. Absolutely. I
1: mean, I think that's perfect. And that's what – you know, I try to share with my family members and stuff that are completely against me being a libertarian. You know, and it's like you have to look at all every topic that you disagree with mm-hmm. and really question why you disagree with it.
0: Right, right, right. And so, I think it's—I'll uh, say this. Um, you know, I'm sitting here, you know, having this conversation with you, and I'm—I'm I'm, you're telling me your story, I'm telling you mine, and um, two completely different walks of life, right? Right. And like you and I just sitting here, um. Mm-hmm just the two of us are finding so many similarities in our experiences not in you know the details of it but in the experience of it um yeah we need to be looking for the similarities with one another and not the differences um because that's where we're gonna that's where we're gonna start to find compassion um, for one another
1: absolutely I just think that there's so many times that you know especially you know libertarians we talk about, sex work, how we believe that should be decriminalized. But we never have the actual conversation Mm -hmm. about why, about your side of the story. And I think this is what my platform has always been all about. It's about to be able to hear all sides and really kind of think, okay, where is, like you said, those similarities? Mm -hmm. And with those similarities, we can advance and get past certain stigmas, barriers, barriers, and so much. So I greatly appreciate you being here today. It's been amazing. Uh it's a amazing privilege to talk to you.
0: Thank
2: you. And
1: I uh hope that this will spur further conversation. Uh yeah. I'm looking forward to, you know, hearing from people that disagree and yeah. maybe we can find those similarities and get past those and work together instead of each other yeah
0: putting our blinders on yeah yeah absolutely
1: thank you so much for being on this podcast
0: yeah thank you so much for having me it was a a real privilege thank you
1: thank you